Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. We've created a community of spiritual women who know that you can still enjoy the finer things while on your soul's journey to live your dharma and your most chakra-aligned life. Let's dive into this episode and meet today's host, Krista Weaver, our co-host and resident confidence queen. Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. I am today's host and resident confidence queen, Krista Weber, and we are a community of multidimensional women on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and connected, one activated chakra at a time. So today we have an amazing guest. Terry Cole is here with us. She is a licensed psychotherapist and global leading expert in female empowerment, you guys. For two decades, Terry has been working with some of the world's most well-known personalities from international pop stars to Fortune 500 CEOs. Terry has a gift for making complex psychological concept accessible to all of us and then actionable so that her clients and students can actually achieve sustainable change, i.e. actual transformation. She empowers over 250,000 people every week through her blog, social media platforms, her signature courses, and we are going to hear all about these later on in the show. So all of the listeners will know that I am personally obsessed with all of these subjects, and I am so honored to be chatting with you. Welcome, Terry. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you for having me, Krista. I'm super psyched to yak about all this stuff. Me too. I'm so, so excited. Okay. So we, speaking of excited, we like to start the show on a really high vibe by sharing something that we're really excited about today. And so since we're talking all about empowerment, I wanted to just share kind of a nerdy thing that I'm really thrilled about right now. So it's a nerd thing and it's fine. It's cool. Everybody's accepting it. Um, I'm just empowering myself right now by learning about all my own tech stuff. I just am diving into the details. I've been in the process of switching platforms from this website to this thing, to this thing, to that thing and switching users and enrolling people and all the shit. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of overwhelming at first. I always decide I'm going to do this stuff myself. I just charge right in. And then I did this. I paid for all the stuff. I did all the things and then realized like, holy shit, I've bitten off way too much. I've bitten off more than I could chew. And it was really overwhelming. And it was like learning a new language. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm fucking doing this. If anybody can do it, I can do it. I did it. I'm not chickening out. And just literally as of today, the stuff's done. I did it myself. I'm fucking Amazing. empowered. I'm excited yep. about it. Makes me very excited. So what are you excited about today, Terry? Um, I'm excited about my mini rebounder that since Ooh. lockdown, because I couldn't, I was a big Zumba person. I was a big group exercise gal um, mm-hmm. and couldn't do it anymore. And it was really devastating. I, like, I know it sounds like ridiculous. I mean, it's no. not, yeah, but come on, compared to like the actual world, but it was so hard for me to get into working out alone. Cause I'd love mm. to do it with other people. And everyone's like, get a Peloton. I'm like, no, no, no. But I, my sister was like, don't you have that mini rebounder thing? Try that. And we're both so into it. So I literally Ooh. transformed a room in my house into, <laughs> into like a mini gym, doing yoga, doing rebounding. So I'm ah. psyched to not spend an hour in my car yeah. every day to get to and from the gym because I live in the middle of nowhere and that's how long it took me every day. Yeah. And you were doing that every single day. So now you've got that time back and you found something I that do. you're passionate about meeting that need. I love it. Good for you. That is very exciting. I never got into the Peloton either, to be honest with you. I've always done, since I've lived in Germany, I've been an expat here for eight years, but I always have just, I had to learn how to work out on my own at home. So I just like the YouTube videos, the hit, and I found some stuff that's great. It's free. It works. So when this stuff happened, I was like, no problem. I just don't go anywhere anyways. So I I use the YouTube stuff that's free as well. Yeah. And it it totally works. A couple of five pound weights, kilos we do over here in Germany. 
Okay. I love that we're excited. It's good. Okay. And for a chakra shout out. So we do a chakra shout out um, just to share a product, a service, a person, something that's changing our lives, something that we appreciate. I actually want to shout out a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, um, somebody I admire. Her name is Kim Acreek. She's an RTT practitioner, a hypnotherapist. And I've done a couple of sessions with her about other things. I've also been a guest on her podcast before, but, and she just solves problems really quick, like RTT rapid transformation therapy. It ain't no joke. I like it. And recently I'm like, I work weird hours. I like, because time zones, people are all over the world. My day sometimes starts at six in the morning. It goes until midnight, whatever. I've gotten up in the middle of the night to do conferences sometimes. (laughs) Um, And so sleep is kind of like my dragon to slay. And I recently purchased a perfect sleep hypnosis in the store on her website. And I was like, meh, like, will it work? Who knows? But let's just try it. Let's just try it. And that thing knocks me out. It just knocks me out. I'm sleeping like a happy baby anytime that I want. And I just wanted to shout her out. So thank you, Kim Acreek, for making me sleep better and just making my skin fresher every day because of it. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Please. I hope you're putting that in the show notes because yeah. I need that. Like KimAcreek.com. <laughs> I will okay. let you know. I'll text you afterwards for sure. Please do. Yes. Okay. And then what would you like to shout out today? You know, I've actually, speaking of chakras, there is this amazing energy. Um, you know, I want to call her an energy medicine expert. Like, Ooh. even though I do believe she, she's definitely a healer and a healer in my life, but I can't explain why the mm. word healer just doesn't, you know, she's in the middle of Manhattan. She's, she's totally straightforward, straight to the point, but she has helped me so much. So her website is lararigio.com. Mm-hmm. So L-A-R-A-R-I-G-G-I-O, mm-hmm. Rigio.com. And she owns the um, Central Park Energy Center, Ooh. right at Columbus Circle in, in the city. But she does all of this stuff online. And you can actually get an appointment with her for anything from, I don't care what is wrong with me, what is wrong with anyone in my family. We will get a session with Lara. She helps so much clear feelings that are blocking you from doing the things you want to do. She helps with, I mean, when my mom was going through cancer, she helped like, and she's, she's well now my mom is fine. Thank God. That's great. It was hell during the pandemic, but anyway. Oh my gosh. And she has so much free stuff too. Wow. So So very accessible for people. Extremely so. That's wonderful. I think that that's so important when a person has this kind of gift and just like the way that you shared that, the way you spoke about her, I can understand how labeling a person like this as a healer just doesn't seem to quite cut it because this is like transformative. This is changing people's life experience. This is changing the trajectory. This is transcendent transformation. So I love that. Thank you for shouting her out. We will put that in the show notes for sure. Right on. Okay. Um, so some slumber party questions, just getting into the vibe. And so what is your morning ritual? Like wake up, meditate. Yes. So my husband and I, so 20 minutes, let's say, but usually, you know, my, my teacher taught me, you know, RPM, my teacher is David G is his name. D A V I D J I. Um, I met him I don't know, 20 years ago at the Chopra Center. But anyway, so he he teaches an acronym, R, you know, Rise P Meditate, right? RPM. Okay. But okay. I'm always like, Rise P, start the coffee, brush my teeth, drink some water, then meditate. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> but it's definitely an early morning experience mm-hmm. because once my brain is going, it's very hard. I mm-hmm. find that meditating between sleeping and waking, there's a, there's a very gentle time mm-hmm. when your defenses are not fully up yet. You're not mm-hmm. completely awake yet. So that's when I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to my hubs while we have some coffee and then we figure out what we're doing for exercise. 
um, you know, sometimes we're, it's together. Sometimes it's separate. We, we do something. He, he works out with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do any tech anything until after, at the very earliest, 11 a.m. I love that. I mean, give listen, yourself, I, I, just to kind of give yourself a break and to be able to come into it. I have to say, like, my worst habit is just checking my phone as soon as I wake up. I also yep. meditate in the morning. Coffee first. That is non-negotiable. The coffee happens. Same. I meditate while I drink a coffee. <laughs> And I have like an ice mask. I like to have, I like to engage my senses while I'm meditating. So I have like Mm -hmm. a cooled spa ice mask while I meditate. And then I'm like sipping the warm coffee, cool ice mask, aromatherapy. And it's just, it's a sensation thing, but the mistake is like checking the phone and then immediately being jolted into that world when it's not where you want to be. So I love that your ritual is like no tech before 11. It's it's really an internal boundary. Mm -hmm. So, and we're going to, we're going to get into boundaries later in the show, but that's really it. We're left to my own devices without actually intentionally, consciously putting particular boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. I would just work all the friggin' time. Mm-hmm. I would just work from the moment I woke up until I did, dropped into bed at night. And that's no life. You know, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not a good way to live for me, mm-hmm. for anyone really. really. We need balance. We need to restore. So that that's my, my morning ritual. I feel very seen right now, but we'll talk all about that. Um, (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And you are gorgeous. You are stunning. What is your favorite must-have beauty product or skincare that will always be on your shelf? Like you're in a plane crash, somehow you still have it. What is the (laughs) go-to thing that you have to have? Well, I gotta say it's really lip stuff. Like, like if, if like desert Island, I I use um, Burt's Bees, not the minty kind though. because that shit dries my lips, but the pomegranate kind, there's no color to it. It is so nourishing and not kidding. I order them about like a friggin' crate at a time because they have to be everywhere in the truck, in the car, next to the bed, in every bathroom. You know, there's two bathrooms in the house. It's like, cannot run out. I mean, listen, I don't suggest that it's so addict. You know, I'm so addicted that I couldn't live without. Does it have a little tint? Are you wearing it right now? No, no, no. It's a no, beautiful it, lip it, color that you're wearing. Why? Thanks. Very light. <laughs> I think it's Clinique. Um, but that would be, and I do in a way, is that a beauty thing? I don't know. I think that the real thing for me with my, I stopped drinking when I was 21. That helps your skin. Mm-hmm. And I wash my face. I mean, it doesn't matter. I could, it could be 6am that I'm rolling in. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't think I've ever slept with my makeup on since I was oh, 12. No. Like, no. no, never. That's not because. Not you can't, doesn't matter what time, day or night. Um, but washing my face with a washcloth, yes. I do think that the exfoliating process, it, it absolutely helps the skin, but also keeping the skin clean. Mm-hmm. And when I'm doing a lot of press and stuff like that, where I'm wearing a lot of heavy makeup, makeup yeah. you know, my skin is bummed out like right now, but you know, you got to do it. So mm-hmm. I will, the second I'm done with my day though, I take off. If, if it's a day that I'm on camera doing anything, I will the second my day is done, it could be two in the afternoon. I remove the makeup because I live in the woods in the middle of nowhere with my husband where I wouldn't really wear it unless I was doing something professional, you know, or wear something light, you know, just a little light. So, I mean, I I don't have an eyebrow when I wake up, I am blonde. So I personally like to do a little bit of a lined eyebrow, but that's like, that's the minimum. If I must, then I will do that. Oh my God. You, you have to have eyebrows. Mine are microbladed. Oh, I love that. I want that. And yeah. it changed my life. I'm just saying. I want that. In Germany here, they're very much into permanent makeup. So um, mm. microblading, for whatever reason, has a bad rap here. 
and I'm this close to getting permanent makeup on my lips, like just a little bit of a rosy tint on my Mm -hmm. lips and the eyebrow. I just feel like, what am I tolerating? Like, what are the things that I'm tolerating that would be easy to change that just you wake up with a little bit more joy, a little bit more ease and pleasure. And for Mm -hmm. me, as you understand, like waking up with a brow would just please me. It would make me happy. So maybe I have to do that next month. Maybe that's a reward for myself. Um, (laughs) Okay. And so we chatted about this a little bit before the show, but um, your favorite crystal. So what are the crystals that you find yourself drawn to? I rose quartz and, um, we said it before. What was the other one? The purple one? Yeah, amethyst. All the clearing ones. And and rose quartz is also very like um, birthing or like female oriented. It's very uh, nurturing oriented. That's my understanding. Yeah, like uh, loving, feminine, receiving, creativity. I, I personally work on my feminine side a lot. I love a rose quartz and amethyst, like third eye, crown chakra, mm-hmm. like vision, clarity, peace, ease. We love it. So I'm really, yeah, I'm glad that we shared that. And you, and you said that they're just kind of around the house. Yes. So I don't have like a super practice with them other that they're always near me. Yeah. Like, so wherever I work, I have a bunch over there next to my bed, in my bedroom, in the bathroom, because I, I love to take baths mm-hmm. just because also they give me pleasure, right? There, mm-hmm. There's, it's something that there are things that you can change. Like you said, like in, in your life that are small, mm-hmm. that you don't, if you don't have a ton of money, you don't need a ton of money, right? Yeah. Like you can change something that's bothering you. You can decide that you're going to fix a light bulb if it's too bright and it's too caustic for you for $2, you know, but it's taking into consideration how you feel. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we're happier. When Mm -hmm. we make those small changes, Mm -hmm. we are happier. Mm -hmm. I love that. And just that principle as well, like it, you don't have to be wealthy to do these things necessarily, but you, you do have to have the awareness and then I think it also takes us out, uh, a little bit of empowerment to understand it is in my power to do this. This is a small thing, but I can do it. I can rearrange right. the furniture in this room. I can choose a little bit of a different decor. I don't have to use like the last little nubbin of soap. I can buy a new soap. Yeah. And this helps to feel abundant as well. This just helps yeah. the quality of life. And when that happens, you're in a better place. Everything else works better. So I love it. You know what the next thing is? Actually, I wear contacts. I want to get my eyes lasered. And this is just... I realized like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I can't see. I've had glasses since I was eight. And I just realized this recently. I said to my husband, I'm like, can you see, like, when you wake up, do you just see? And he's like, yeah, (laughs) he's a surgeon. And I'm like, that must be nice. That must be nice for you. And like, this isn't a tough fix. So again, it's not a tough fix. I started talking to friends about it. They've all done it. I'm the only one. Like, what the hell? So I have an appointment in a couple of weeks. I'm just going to fucking do it. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Right now. And then... uh, you're okay. This is going to be interesting. I know that this is going to be interesting. What is a favorite show that you've binge watched lately? And very controversially, I want to share, we were chatting before Bridgerton. There's like a love hate situation. You weren't super, super into it. You watched 12 minutes and then it was like, meh, not for me. I pushed through the first episode was a challenge. I pushed through. So it's not Bridgerton and it's not the one, but what is the show that you're loving right now that you recently really enjoyed? watching so many different ones. I do a lot of documentaries with my husband, which we're watching one, I think it's called The Samurai mm-hmm. that we just finished. There's only six episodes, but it was actually great. Kind of bloody, let's be honest, because it's about Japanese history. And okay. this the whole thing was just warring factions, but it was so 
fascinating. And I really didn't know much about it. So that was one that I loved. What other ones have we been watching lately? I also watch a lot of like just really bad TV, just bad. Like I will just binge. Be guilty. Just share that. Did you watch? Just like Chicago Fire. Just, do you know what I mean? Like Chicago PD, Chicago, like where you're like the most codependent television shows that ever existed. Like I literally want to do a therapy (laughs) segment where I'm just breaking down the most unhealthy people on television. Can we do that? (laughs) These archetypes. Like, I mean, that was my thing with like, when I was watching Bridgerton as well, I'm like, cliche, cliche, misogynist, cliche. But I know like the archetypes of the characters. So I'm not like the sex, I mean, like the sex in the city, like, are you a Samantha or are you a Carrie? I'm like, the Mm -hmm. thing is, I I talk about this as well with my mother-in-law. She's like 80 and fabulous. She reminds me of Catherine Hepburn. But she's like, this is sex and city girls. I always feel like I am a little bit of all of them, you know? And she's she's like 80 and fabulous and chic and elegant, like the, always the pearls, always the casual. She's like, sometimes in my life, I've been a Charlotte. And sometimes in my, in my life, I've been Samantha. And you know what? I think that we are all, all of them. And I'm like, you are wise. You are wise. But like, but yeah, sometimes just to unpack, does it ever disturb you that like, this is the stuff that like the masses are watching though? And then like taking, and then they think that it's normal. You know, there are some things, listen, codependency, no, because it's, it's so incredibly common, right? Mm -hmm. Where that's why I wrote a book on boundaries because of, because (laughs) of the epidemic of this, it's more the, the things that I see that are, are just more disturbing Mm -hmm. that I, that I don't like where there's, it's normalizing abusive behavior or doing Mm -hmm. something that you're like, how are you, even with a lot of reality TV shows, Mm -hmm. like I can't watch, I don't, I haven't. And, but, but I read the trades cause I used to be a talent agent. So of course I still know what's going on. And I'm like, yeah. how is this meanness so effing pervasive where we just want people to fail, you know? I know it's, I, this is actually it's a little sad. This is a confession for me in this space. It's a confession, but the, I, I find it, I've never seen the bachelor or the bachelorette. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot, it's hard for me to watch this because I don't find it entertaining. And I know that I might get read for filth by this. I know that these shows are popular, but it's, it's not, it's not my cup of tea. I've never seen it. And I just thought, because I'm, I'm quite a bit older than people who would be watching it, I think. Yeah. So I always just chalked it up to that. But there's, my sister will binge the Kardashians and stuff like that. Again, have never in my life seen one episode. And not because I'm above it. I just told you I watched Chicago friggin' Fire. So it isn't like poo-poo on you. It's yeah. like you said, it's not entertaining to me. It's stressful. I'm a psychotherapist for a friggin' living. Like I do not need to find dysfunction on television. That's real. Scripted dysfunction is a different story. So we have kind of already gotten into it a little bit. I know that our listeners are going to be so peaked already. We're talking about codependency. We're talking about boundaries. We're talking about normalizing toxic behavior and all of these things. And so could you just tell us a little bit about what inspired you to lean into all of this greatness and what you do and to empower everybody and just wake them up that like you do need to have boundaries. You can have boundaries. You get to be safe. So where did this start for you? What was the genesis? I think that, you know, we teach what we most need to learn. So the genesis was my life. So my experiences, my younger life, um, being a people pleaser, having the disease to please, over committing, over giving, over doing, over functioning, over feeling, all of those things, you know, there's a burnout that eventually will happen with that. But I didn't realize that 
that was the basis of a lot of the conflict I was having in my young life. Then I got into therapy young when I was in, I was 19, maybe when I got into therapy. And then I stopped drinking two years after that when I was 21. So that, that changed my life too, because now I'm, I'm wide awake and now I'm looking for answers at a young age where I want to understand, not looking for answers like, whose fault is this? Looking for answers like, this is fascinating. I want to change this experience that I'm having. Mm-hmm. Can you help me change it? The therapist is like, I can, te- yes, I can. And so learning the power of being a person who keeps their word right? That's mm-hmm. a boundary issue. People mm-hmm. who don't keep their word because you overpromise and then you can't do it all, right? You end up mm-hmm. saying yes when you want to say no, and then you're pissed. And what is so ironic about the whole saying yes when you want to say no is that then we're mad mm-hmm. at the other people. I was walking years ago, I, I just did an interview with my friend Kate Northrup. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's got a platform and she, she was 15 years ago, we were walking down the street in West Village in Manhattan. She was like, I just can't believe that this person is like asking me to do this thing. And I feel like they're so entitled and I'm so mad. And I just, I feel like I've done enough for them and la, la, la. So I let her go on, we're walking, walking. And then I was like, wow, she's got some nerve to put you in the position to actually have to just simply fucking say no. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, Terry, you're so mean, but you're so right. <laughs> true. I was like, babe, just can say no. Yes. Because we have this resistance though, and again, this is a boundary issue. So let me, let me finish the original story and then we'll get into what those are. Yeah. So go through my life. I get, get, get into entertainment as a talent agent. I do that for X period of time. The end of my career there, I'm representing and negotiating contracts for supermodels, celebrities, really in this world that is super not, you know, not a hotbed of mental health, as I like to say, and just a boundaryless wonder, the, the yes. entire thing, because it all... Yeah, it all goes on top of each other. Yeah. Because you you're young. I was my first agency, all of us were under the age of 25. So now we're representing. I mean, one of my friends, like married, one of our clients, like, like do you know what I mean? Like you're like socializing with your clients, you're courting the um casting directors. Yeah. So you have a budget to do that, you have a credit card to do that. You're going out. Now I had already stopped drinking at that point. Mm-hmm. So none of that was so exciting to me. Like I was like, people, I want to sleep. Yeah. I'm getting up at 6 a.m. for a spend class or whatever was happening. Yeah. But I would always hire like assistants and stuff who who really liked that and wanted to go to the fashion shows and all the things that I was like, oh no, please. I don't want to just because not my thing, not my personality. And yet work-wise, there were things, of course, I had to do. So the the melding of, imagine you're literally working with people and so many of us were single. You're working with people, that person's hot, you're hot, everyone, like, how is this not going to be somehow bad? How is this not going to be a mess? (laughs) It is, because it's not like working at a bank. No. No. Right? It's, there there is a prescribed um, particular way of behavior. It doesn't mean that, you know, sexual harassment, of course, doesn't happen at banks and still does probably, but meaning that just the actual socialization of the business itself. So that was an experience by the time I got to the end of that. I just had this realization, because keep in mind, that was almost 10 years where I'm um, working on myself. I'm in therapy. I'm doing the things. I'm reading the books. This was, you know, in the, in the 80s into the 90s, where it was like, you know, the road less traveled and the, the four agreements and all of these things where I was so incredibly lit up about the fact that I really got it once I got sober and once I started doing all the self-help work that... We are actually 
making it up as we go. Mm. That there is not some people who are chosen and some who aren't. I had the realization during this process that it didn't matter. You know, we feel like, oh, you know, that person got a raw, you know, a bad hand in life, like as if it's a card game. Mm-hmm. I had a realization that it it didn't matter. There, there was no friggin' hand in life. If I don't like that hand, I could throw those cards away. I could get new cards. I could just literally be like, fuck this game. Like I, I'm not even, do- I'm doing my own game, mm-hmm. which is basically what happened. Where if I were willing to do the work, if I were willing to face some painful things in my life, stuff that happened in my childhood, the imperfections of my family system, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. that I could make a decision that I was going to do what lit me up as opposed to, and even going into entertainment, you know, nobody in my family was in that business. Being an agent isn't like it was nepotism or I knew someone, of course I did not. Leaving though, when I was leaving entertainment, cause I got to the point of my own mental health where I was like, there's got to be something more mm-hmm. valuable or more impactful mm-hmm. in the world than I could be doing than making supermodels richer. I, nothing against supermodels. I have nothing against them now. I had nothing against them then. It just run its course, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to do something more. Yes. My, my former assistant was like, hi, do you want to go to school to become therapist? I'm like, yes, I do. She's like, yeah. let's apply to NYU. <laughs> I was like, Okay, even though I went to a completely shitty undergraduate school, the likelihood of me getting into (laughs) NYU is about zero. And I was like, I'm also not going to apply to any other schools, and I'll tell you why. The only program I want to experience is NYU because it was very um, clinically um, focused, which is what I wanted. And I just manifested that. I was like, listen, if I can get a meeting, if I can get in person, then I know I can get it. Yeah. Yeah, they just look at the fact that I went to Long Island University 10 years ago. I mean, literally, I hadn't been in school in like almost a decade. Yeah. It was like, I don't, I don't have any good reasons besides my life experience. Yeah. I could wow them with lots of good reasons if they would let me talk, which and the they passion. did. But like the, the gut instinct and the passion. So something you said right away caught my interest because when you were able to look at your past and your life at age 19, 20, 21, from a point of curiosity and not a point of anger and resentment and bitterness and judgment, when you're able to just be curious and be like, okay, like why? And like, how, and how can I understand this? And what, what do I have power over? And just, so this is very much like a rising above. This is a highest self moment. So we talk about like ascension from like a 3d to 40 to 5d. And when we can observe these things with curiosity, with playfulness, then that's when we're really able to transform. And then your gut, like the way that you said, it lit you up like this passion, this joy, and you honored that. And then now look what happened. Look how your life unfolded and look what you've done. And look, look at all of the lives that you're sharing. Look at the ripple effect. This is magic. This is incredible. So thank God that it lit you up. Thank God that you were curious about your path and that you followed it. I'm so, so incredibly grateful. And, you know, Deepak says, and, you know, I studied with him for years and years ago, his whole thing is if you, you know, becoming the observer without judgment, is sort of the highest form of your own evolution. Now, I don't know about evolution other than um, self-evolution, right? Because that is what I'm an expert in. Mm -hmm. Where getting to the point where you can meet yourself with compassion and where you can be curious instead of judgmental, not looking to blame others or yourself, right? Mm -hmm. 
and just going, huh. And this is the same way that I teach it in the entire book about boundaries, where we look and go, well, that was an interesting reaction I just had there. Mm -hmm. Why was it so hot? Mm -hmm. Why was it a lot bigger than the thing that just happened? Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like it was, oh, look, I have a tool. I'm going to ask the three questions and that's going to help me see what kind of a transference I might've been having in that moment Mm -hmm. and why. Mm-hmm. instead of being like, I'm so weak. Why did I yell? Why did I act that way? Mm-hmm. We switch all of that judgment into, I'm going to learn about myself mm-hmm. so that the way that I interact in my relationships is good for me and my relationships. And it's authentic. It's mm-hmm. not me acting out some unresolved childhood injury, which is what the rest of it is. Mm-hmm. It's me with a mindful choice. Mm-hmm. And I may, I may yell at someone, but I will do it mindfully. <laughs> that shit will be what I want to mindful do. Mindful yelling. I'm embroidering <laughs> it onto a pillow. It's going on the couch. Mindful yelling only. That's the only yelling that we're doing. And I, I, <laughs> I, I was triggered recently in a way. I have an older brother who is a classic older brother. I love him, but he also like tortured me as, as children, mm-hmm. which is normal. Best friends, but tortured me. Something happened. It is pretty salty, so I won't say it, but I even like woke, learned, you know, aware, meditating, journaling, all of the things powerful. Yes, all of these things are true. I am, but I am in fact, indeed a human woman who has had a life and has triggers. And I had a complete overreaction. I lost my shit on somebody for something so small and so dumb Mm. and so childish. And I could have smashed dishes. I could have thrown things. And my eyes, like my green eyes just became like Hulk green. And I like, I could have just, and that person literally uh, recoiled from me. And I'm a pretty Mm. fucking calm person. Like generally I'm a pretty calm person. And I was shocked at myself. And I was like, what just happened? Like, what did I do? What was this trigger? What is this wound? And I had to go within, I had to meditate. I had to tap, I had to do these things. And then I realized I'm like, this brought me back to being four years old when my brother did this thing to me. And what did that do? It was a stupid, playful, my, like my brother trapped me in a sleeping bag and like sat on it and he was just yeah. playing. And of course, like nothing would happen, but I was four. So I thought that my life was in danger. Sure. So this thing that this person did, it was fucking nothing. It was completely unrelated, but somehow it yeah. activated that trigger of, I am in fear for my life. I so get it. So anyone, you guys who are listening, so let's just say you find yourself in the situation that Chris was in, like like a similar situation. You're going to take these and we'll make sure that in the gift that I'm giving you, we'll make sure that we include these or you can put them in the show notes um, that you're going to ask these. It's three questions and then I give you a bonus question. So the first one is after you have an experience like that, you ask, who does this person remind me of? Mm -hmm. They may remind you of someone energetically, physically, the way they talk, the words they use. It doesn't have to be that they look exactly like someone. Mm-hmm. Um, where have I felt like this before? Mm-hmm. So you give yourself a moment to think, where have I felt like this before? Mm-hmm. How is this interaction, this behavioral dynamic, the way I am interacting or reacting to this person, how is that familiar? Have I experienced it? Have I seen it? Because it doesn't have to be you. It could have been yeah. something you witnessed somewhere else. And then the last one, when I'm in that interaction, when I was feeling that way, who did I become metaphor- yes. metaphorically and who did they become? Yes. 
That so is- you became your four-year-old self. That person mm-hmm. became your your brother in your four-year-old self's mind mm-hmm. who was being hurtful or a bully or threatening you by doing this thing. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the reality is, right? Mm-hmm. Because the four-year-old is the one who had the response. Mm-hmm. Not like the grown-up us were always like, they're great. They're amazing. They didn't do anything. I'm mm-hmm. all like, listen, people, we got to get to what the kid inside of you wants you to acknowledge mm-hmm. and honor and write about, and maybe talk about if you need to. I mean, it, it sounds like you don't oh, with your brother. But... Well, the next day I had to explain to that person. I'm like, listen, like, yeah, like maybe things went too far. Like we were joking and maybe it went a tiny bit too far because they felt deeply ashamed and embarrassed. And like, how did I make Krista so fucking furious with me? Like, are we friends? <laughs> and then I had right. to explain, I'm like, listen, like my dumb brother did this and I'm so sorry, but like, I, this is what happened, but you said something very interesting. So who did I become in that moment? Because Mm -hmm. the four-year-old was helpless and terrified, but who did I become? I became maybe the enraged mama bear that I wish had been there. Maybe Mm -hmm. I became, maybe I became the caregiver that I wish had been there to get him off of there to take me away, you know, to make sure that, Hey, stop doing that to your sister. You're going to suffocate her or something, yep. you know? So I think it, it could, it could be that it's also though, your reaction is tied to the four-year-old mm-hmm, 100%. and yet the, it's almost like you had the freedom because mm-hmm. you're not four I'm an adult. to yeah. express the feelings you couldn't have then. Oh yes. Oh yeah. So she feels empowered. The little kid in you yeah. is like this time. No. Nope. I know how this movie ends is bad. I'm saying something. Me today. Not today, Satan. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's so interesting. So I love those questions. We're going to put them in the show notes. So who does this person remind me of energetically, physically? Um, doesn't have to be literal. Where have I felt like this before? How is this behavioral dynamic familiar? Where have I witnessed or experienced it before? And I really like mm-hmm. that you said witnessing. So women who I know, for example, watch their mothers being beaten. They were never personally beaten, but they watched their mothers being abused. And so now they bring that dynamic into their relationship. And also they were traumatized as hell. But secondary trauma, of course, is just so real. It's almost can be you can't say worse. They're both terrible, but they're both painful and so scary. Oh, and then also like you know? survivor's guilt because like, why was she attacked? And I wasn't and stuff. It's yep. just, yeah. And then all the, all the healing steps. So thank goodness there are so many resources and healing resources, such as your book, Boundary Boss, which we're going to talk about what a, what a powerful source this is going to be for women when they get their hands on it. Okay. So thank you so, so much for telling us your story. This is so incredible. You guys, we're just getting started. All you listeners, I hope that you have popcorn and tea and everything and like <laughs> sit down cozy on the couch because this is like, pull your car over because this is getting juicy. Okay. So we're so passionate about boundaries. What are the signs and signals? Like, I, I know that I have my opinions from what I've witnessed and experienced, but what are some of the signs and symptoms if a person has lived a life of their boundaries being constantly violated, mm-hmm. maybe their behaviors are just so normal to them. They don't even know what are the signs and symptoms that my boundaries are weak or that they're being violated. So how could you explain to a person, what do they need to watch out for that they're feeling or doing to know that? Okay. Well, let's start bad? with, if you want to know the state of your boundaries, go to boundaryquiz.com. I created a 13 13- question quiz that's so good where you might be the ice queen you might be the pushover you might be the peacekeeper because there are nuances Mm -hmm. of disordered boundaries and it doesn't mean you have them that they're disordered all the time every minute of every day Mm -hmm. a lot of times our boundaries get 
worse when we're stressed, meaning our ability, mm-hmm. right, to assert ourselves or whatever. So that, that's the first thing. How you can tell though, like how do we know that a boundary violation has happened? Something is happening. Just dive into how you feel mm-hmm. because where you are resentful in relationships, I promise you a need has gone unmet or a boundary has been crossed. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the complicated part with boundaries. So let's just establish what they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides the things we know, right? Brene Brown makes it really easy. She said, you know, boundaries are just letting the people in your life know what's okay with you, what's not okay with you. That's a super simplistic, I love it, I love her way of saying it. I say to become a boundary boss, right? Be- to be doing these things with ease and grace. That's what a boss is in my book, right? It's seamless, it becomes your new normal, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know what your preferences, mm-hmm. your desires, your limits and your deal breakers are, and have the ability to clearly and concisely communicate those things Mm -hmm. in your life, at work, friends, relationships, home, family of origin. Because I feel like there's so much bad information out there about boundaries, where -hmm. people think boundaries are all about saying no, rejecting people, confronting people, punching someone in the face, like they're not at all. Mm -hmm. It's being self-determined. When you become a boundary boss, you literally are the boss of you and you know yourself. So the way the book starts, it's this massively deep dive into, we do a huge inventory in the beginning. It's definitely an interactive book um, because, you know, reading about these theories, you're great. And I give you case studies and, you know, every single chapter starts with a case study because I find that's the way that I learned the best. But I also bring it back to the reader at every turn, in the middle of every everything. I teach you something, and you then there's a thing called you have to see your yes. material. Yeah, right. So there's a thing that's called back to you, yeah. where I immediately I'm like, okay, now ask yourself this, this, and this. So we're already integrating the information. Yeah. So you have to know these things. We we do this huge list, which is the what's okay and what's not okay list, in all areas of your life. From the lighting in your bedroom to the way you're interacting in your relationships to what's happening at work, mm-hmm. um, how at your relationship with your money, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Because when we get a really clear, comprehensive list, you start to realize you do have preferences about lots of things that you might not think about. And there are many, many changes that you could make. Mm-hmm. And then we do, then we do other inventories where we really get into relationships and, you know, who is in the VIP section of your life? Mm -hmm. Is it just any mother effer who walks by can come in because you have no rope and because you don't have a guest list, not realizing you're the bouncer, but you are the bouncer. Yeah. Like you're the only one. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Don't let him in. And, and we feel guilty. We feel like, what does that mean in my courses? You know, and this is just a concept I came up with so we can understand high priority and Mm -hmm. lower priority folks. Yes. Because not everyone in your life can have the same importance because there's not enough minutes in the day. Energy for it. Like there are people, there needs to be like a hierarchy. Like I will always text my best friend back. We will never leave each other on red. Um, But then like, otherwise I don't open messages unless I'm prepared to sit down and return messages. Uh I I feel for me, that's a boundary. I think it's rude to leave people on red. I don't do that. So I choose my time. My time is boundaried and I will return messages when I the state to return messages, a boundary that I had with my husband, no TV in the bedroom. It bothers me. I don't like yep. it. 
And that was yep. the boundary when we moved in together, when I moved to Germany and he was very disappointed, but guess what? He got used to it because he loves me more than he loves TV. As he he was very disappointed. You were like, and you know what? That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Because negotiating for your priorities, needs, limits, and your, your deal breakers, right? Your deal breakers, like your non-negotiables. Yeah. This is something that as women, most of us feel like uh, it's rude. It, it's unseemly sometimes, depending on your family of origin and where you were mm-hmm. raised. It almost seems like it's gauche or it's something. I don't even know if that's the right word, but you know what I'm saying? I love that you were, use that word. I'm such a wordy person. <laughs> um, I don't even know if it's right, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, we, that, we think that it's crass or we think that it's untoward. Yes. And, this, and this actually, this is part of my second question. So I think let's just, let's transition into yeah, it. Like, do it. The misconceptions about having healthy boundaries <laughs> that people, like you want to be the nice girl, or like you said, that it's gauche or it's crass. Um, where did these concepts come from? How did it become so normal in society for people to put themselves last? And like, not even just women, men as well. I see a lot of men who struggle with healthy boundaries as well. They're mm-hmm. expected to play these roles just like women. But why, why do we feel like, is this something that, is this like the tale as old as time? Has it always been like this? Okay, so let's have a quick chat about luxury and spirituality. If you are listening to this, I am sure you enjoy the finer things in life that you're super intentional. And that means you would love my jewelry brand prism and no, it's not that hippy dippy spiritual jewelry. It's like chic, elegant, gold and silver jewelry with your choice of diamonds or white topaz. And every piece is made with intention. We have a solar plexus activating necklace that makes you more abundant. And I get so many compliments on it. It's called the sunray necklace. We have a moon necklace that reminds you to honor all sides of yourself, even your shadows. And we have an entire fifth dimension 5d consciousness collection. If you are ready to go super deep into your ascension. And I'll also add that I have two beautiful co-founders. One of them is my amazing friend Chantal who designs all of our jewelry. And the other is Whitney Rose from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes. One of my business partners is one of the Real Housewives. And I have married all my favorite things in life, spirituality, fashion, and reality TV, but I digress. It is time to treat yourself, get something chic. Don't wait for someone else to buy jewelry for you. Women have this weird thing about buying jewelry for themselves, but in my opinion, jewelry is something that becomes part of your soul. So you need to pick it out for yourself with your intentions in mind. So go treat yourself. I'm giving you 11% off anything on the shop. Yes, a discount for diamonds. It's unheard of. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use chakra girl at checkout. And every piece also comes with an intention setting ritual to infuse your own intentions into your jewelry to just create the best life. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use code chakra girl at checkout. Yes. Or is it, yeah, yeah. It's a tale as old as time because as women, right, we are the bridgers societally. If we were looking at like gender normative stuff, I'm not saying this is right to be, or this is not correct to be. It is just the way it is and has been for a really long time where we are the bridgers, the assuagers. We are the soothers, the fixers. We are the, the, you know, the producers of life. Imagine that, right? You bring everyone together. We do more of the emotional labor. Traditionally speaking, a lot of the, a lot of couples and same sex couples. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are, this is shifting, but I'm saying culturally, Mm -hmm. for a very long, long time, hundreds, Mm -hmm. thousands of years, Mm -hmm. this has been the role of the female. Mm -hmm. And so we have this identification Mm -hmm. with 
if I am a good woman, then mm -hmm. I do these things. You know, it, it's almost like a badge of honor, yes. right? You're raised to be a good girl. You're raised mm -hmm. to, to value niceness mm -hmm. above like literally all other things as if it's a virtue yes. above other things. When? What that means is we say yes when we want to say no because mm -hmm. we're trying to be nice, but in reality, that is not being nice. And it's not serving really anybody because then it's developing resentment. It's creating gaps and resentments in these relationships. It's creating bitterness that the woman then takes out on somebody else in another way. Or yeah. like the poison has to get out somewhere. Like the energy is going to bounce around in your body. So I'm, are you into human design? Have you read into that? Not really. Not so much. No. Well, I'm but we talk about it though. I'm, I'm a manifesting generator. And I had, I actually, it's when I began like my healing journey um, I learned that I had like a major throat chakra block. Mm -hmm. And of course I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't speak German when I first arrived here. So mm -hmm. talk about not having boundaries. I literally couldn't speak for myself. I couldn't buy milk after mm -hmm. being a business, like an independent businesswoman running my own life, everything, um, gave it all up to go be the wifey in Germany for a doctor and like, yeah, fun, exciting. I love Europe. Great. Let's live here. But then like, can't mail a letter, can't buy milk. And interestingly enough, um, this loss of my voice and the loss of my boundaries, because I couldn't defend myself, I couldn't stand up for myself. And Germans are very direct, especially East Germans, mm -hmm. where we first lived. And it ended up, I ended up having thyroid cancer. And this is something that was well, found. Me too. <laughs> really? Your scar. I can't see your scar. They did a very it's good right job. There. Oh, I did it twice. My, really? Twice? Oh, yeah. And it's still mm -hmm. quite livid. They didn't do the best right. job, so I'm having it worked on. But it was so interesting because it was right when I was kind of doing this chakra, throat chakra healing, where I was taking an assessment of my boundaries and realizing mm -hmm. like, I have been fucking myself over, <laughs> like, in, like intentionally or unintentionally trying to prove myself, trying to earn love, trying to be a good wife and a good mother and a good citizen and do all these things and fit in and support my family back home and support my family here and do all these things. And I'm suffering so much. And it's interesting right. it to manifest in my throat. I don't know. That's interesting that boundaries is a, was a passion of yours from, from a young age as well, because it was, it was like, once this tumor was removed, they ended up, mm. they did have to remove my entire thyroid, but it's like, you just suddenly just can't shut me up. And it's very, it's effortless for me. Like I say no with glee and pleasure and delight and love. Sure. It's not combative. I do it with love, but you're so right that women grew up as the, the soothers, the fixers, the healers, the producers. We are the cradle of life. We do create life. We need to nurture the babies. We need to create the family. We're quantum expanders. We don't necessarily have, uh, we don't necessarily always have the luxury in society of just being able to be linear. We kind of have to be an octopus and do it all, or we feel that we need to. And then we're yeah, just, but the overfunctioning, yeah, you know, th this becomes part of the problem exactly. of overfunctioning and overgiving and being last on our own list. Yes. And part of it is that we were raised and praised mm -hmm. for being self-abandoning codependents, mm -mm. for putting other people above ourself. And there's nothing wrong with being thoughtful, of course. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about actually putting other people's needs. And I'm not talking about minor children. I'm talking about just other people, yeah. like having their wants, needs, desires supersede yeah. our own yeah. in this way where it's like in, you know, this book teaches you how to be not just a bit player in your own life that you really realizing you're the director, the writer, 
the producer and the star of this motherfucking show. Like this is how it could be without cramming other people down, but asserting yourself. Because think about it. These are the things that make you you, right? Your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. Those literally are the things that make you uniquely you. Your DNA, never before, happened in the world, factually, will never happen again. And so all of this um, pressure to conform, pressure to be like these folks on TV or other people or like friends, where the truth is that your magic, all of it and all of ours, not just you and people listening, mine too, is in our own uniqueness, right? Nobody's going to do it like you're doing it, like I'm doing it. And this being proud of who you are, finding a way to fall madly and deeply in love with yourself. So anyway, back to the beginning of the book, we do all this, this deep diving, this investigative work into ourselves, into our experience. What is our downloaded boundary blueprint? Meaning, what did you learn from your family of origin, your yes. culture, your country, yes. your siblings, right? Yes. Your friends, what was accepted? Yes. It's unique to you, just like every single one of you listening. You have a very, it's just like your fingerprint. That's how unique it is because nobody had your life experience, but you are the way you are when it comes to boundaries for a million incredibly good reasons. Mm -hmm. So this process, I take you down into the basement of your mind, Mm -hmm. hold your hand. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. I've got a little miner's light on. (laughs) We're going to go into these boxes. Don't have to be scared. Don't be scared. I've walked zillions of people down into the basement many times before. Always worth but this inform yeah, this information that we find is the stuff that it's unconscious mm-hmm. and it's driving behaviors in a way that it is impacting your life. Mm-hmm. But you're not driving it. It's driving you. Mm-hmm. So we do a bunch of excavation in the beginning process so that we have all the cards on the table. We're like, okay, what are we dealing with? What happened? Oh my God, this explains this. This explains that. Mm -hmm. Suddenly your life, you start to think like a therapist. You start to think in patterns. You start to go, oh, now I get it. Mm -hmm. But just because that's the way it was, let's say for the parental impactors in my life, doesn't mean that that's the way it has to be for me. That's right. Right? I can differentiate. I can change. I can do it slowly lovingly with kindness you being a boundary boss really does mean doing it with ease and grace and when appropriate love so change your mind about that if you think drawing boundaries is uh i have a whole entire chapter on just giving you scripts yes i love that because people always just want to know like just tell me what to say but i so i love that the scripts are there but i know that it also takes so much of the inner work too like you have to be courageous to do it you have to have the self-awareness that you even need to do it and so there, there takes kind of like this courage, like you said, going down into the basement of your mind with the miner's light on your hat and somebody is holding your hand, Terry is holding your hand and you are safe, you are protected, and then you're going to know exactly how to do it because it's, it's so incredible. It's so important. I love this so much. And so I, I wanted to mention, so you touched on caregivers too. So boundaries, they're often programmed into us kind of by our caregivers, what we've witnessed, what we've observed, what we've experienced from a very mm-hmm. young age. So a lot of, a lot of people 
myself included, you know, like my, the, the genesis of my boundaries off, like I, it was my parents very much so. And, and with love, with, with understanding, with curiosity, with love, but also a lot of personal pain that I had to experience in order to realize that I had weak boundaries that were being violated because I allowed it and I was allowing it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to also accept that the person I'm angry at is myself um, in a way, because I chose it, I allowed it. And mm-hmm. uh, it, for me, that realization came when I became a mother because I was like, mm-hmm. this is my priority. Like I literally am not available. I'm tr- trying to breastfeed. Like I am not available yep. for something else. So, yep. but so people want to set a boundary with their parents, how it can be very uncomfortable. Cause these are the people that you love the most. You feel the duty, you feel the filial duty to the parents. So what, what advice can you give the listeners of the best way to navigate setting a boundary with a parent? And I know that this is not something that you can sum up in a minute, but what well, could you give as a hot tip? Yes. I mean, listen, first of all, it's so common. I actually think it's a great, I think it's great because part of the way that we were, most of us were raised was to be very dutiful and to be very loyal to our family of origin. And we love them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're difficult or whatever the thing is growing up, right? Like we, when we start to draw boundaries and for a lot of my clients, it happens when they have their own children <laughs> where they go, listen, I'm sorry, this human is the number one thing in my life. Like everything else is going to wait because this human, but there's also a way of helping our parents who, you know, we're grown adults. Our parents are grown adults. Healthier parents have an easier transition, meaning if they're not so identified with being parents, you know, Mm -hmm. they realize it's your life. Mm -hmm. They realize when my kids got married, three sons, I was like, listen, this now Joyce is your first family. And me and dad and Ben and Alex are your family of origin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So whatever you need to do, those decisions you make, like never guilted them. And keep in mind, I married my my kids because my husband was a widower. So maybe that changes how it is. But I just knew it is not healthy to make them organize around us when now their job is to organize around their own family that they're building. Anyway, Mm -hmm. you can slowly but surely make a simple request. You can change the dance without like having like a massive, oh my God, we got to talk. Like no megaphone necessary. Mm -hmm. There's no, it just doesn't have to be. You can have a a conversation. So part of it is understanding that all of our parents have their own downloaded blueprint boundary Mm -hmm. blueprint and everything blueprint, just like we do. So they're doing sort of, you know, most of them, I I, I don't even know if I'll assume they're all doing the best they can, because I I can't really make that assumption. But the bottom line is that it's your job to do exactly what you're saying. If you don't want them uh, just coming into your house. So a friend was telling me the other day that she, you know, was so psyched her, you know, she moved back to where her parents lived, but had her own house, never entering her mind that her parents would literally just come over to her house all the time, not knock and just let themselves. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Uh Oh, no. And it was very painful. And she had to, Mom, I could be masturbating right now. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, would you like that? That would have sucked if you walked in on that mom. (laughs) (laughs) Really painfully, but she, she did something really cute and clever. And after talking to them and saying, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm making a simple request that you call or text. Mm-hmm. Mom, I've lived away from you guys for a long time. This is, I have my thing that I need to do, blah, blah, blah. And so when, in the beginning, when they weren't following that, 
that well. She put a really loving note on the door. She had a little <gasps> hook on her door with a cute little note that was like, "Have you called? Please don't enter. I, I'm working. If you want to see me, call or text. I love you. Like yeah, I love you. Book ending yeah. with I love you. So it doesn't have yes. to be seen. It doesn't have to be cunty. Um, by the right. way, I'm allowed to swear on the show, so I do it all the time. Okay, um, good, yeah. great. So I, I love that, like book ending it with love and like setting a boundary from a place of love. Like I love you, but also please don't walk into my house when I am showering. When it comes to setting a boundary, sometimes when it comes to a boundary, it's just like your own personal space and time and health. Like I would mm-hmm. literally sometimes rather be filing my nails and staring off into space than talking to somebody. And right. I am allowed to do that. That is okay. It doesn't mean that I don't love somebody. It doesn't mean that I'm being rude. It's a, and I think also that when you do this for yourself, then it helps to show those other people. So I talked about my mother-in-law and I love her. We've talked about this on that. We like to drink martinis and talk a lot. You know, I, so she's 40 years older than me. And I'm like, could you imagine doing this? Like when you were my age, could you imagine doing this? Or like when you're 20, she's like, oh my God, never. And like, so we talk about like the difference of like the expectation of like wife roles, mother roles, these kind of things. And she's like, she's like, it's just so fantastic now what you can do. And it's just so, <laughs> and sometimes like the way that I have talked back at the dinner table to people, she's got a big family, a lot of boys, uh, four boys in the family. And mm. they will do this thing sometimes where they will literally criticize the food during the dinner. She will have like been spending hours making the dinner and they will be criticizing the food while they are eating it. So when I was just new into the family, just engaged, not even married yet, um, we were all, and like, I couldn't speak German. I couldn't understand, but I speak body language. Like I'm not fucking stupid. And right. I just see them like, you know, like mm, it's a little bit dry or like, mm, it was a little bit better. I don't know. Mm. And I'm just like, and she's just sitting there with like a smile on her face and like, it's fine. And I was like, you people are so fucking rude. And like, they do speak English. My, I didn't speak German, but they speak English. And I'm like, I just have to say, and so I did it with humor. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, I have to say that I have never in my life been at a family dinner where the family is criticizing the food in front of the chef while they're happily eating the food. And I just said, you know what? I think it tastes great and I appreciate you. She was just astounded that somebody defended her. Her eyes lit up wide and she turned to look at me just again. Like she looked around as if she was going to be in trouble. And I'm like, honey, I'm like, you're not in trouble. Like if anybody's going to be in trouble, it's me. And then I'm going to throw a glass of wine and it's going to be a very entertaining night. But it was just Mm -hmm. such, so unusual for her that somebody should speak up but do it with a laugh. Like they couldn't be mad because I said in a funny way and like, right. again, like setting a boundary, but bookending it with love. So mm-hmm. and humor, I mean, and, yeah. you, you used humor there, you know, yeah. and, and I actually, in, in the book, a lot of the scripts, I almost always add one mm-hmm. that can be done light, lighthearted with humor yeah. because it's helpful mm-hmm. to, it doesn't have to be, then people you have can to really say what you need to, to say. They have right. to choose to be an asshole if they respond to a humorous boundary moment as a dick, that's really a choice. And then if that's, if that's the card that they play, then that tells you more about them, I think. And then you're like, okay, like, then you're not worth me using the gentle, loving humor. Then I have to be like, slam, bam, boundary with you. And that's fine. Because now you've shown me. Or you've shown me enough that, especially in the dating world, you know, you learn who people are right away. I always say, listen, do a little bit of pushing back in the early part Mm. of the dating Mm. because if the person's pretty stable and normal if you push back and just say oh that was so nice of you to think of that actually though I had I actually had Japanese food last time would you mind if we we do like I'd rather do this and if they go well that's cool sure we'll do this if they're like uh hi I made a reservation like I don't get it like what's your deal like and get ungrateful yep 
if they, yep. if they push back girls, I hope you were all listening. All of you babes listening to this hot tip, push back, set a boundary early an innocuous seeming boundary and then see how the yep. guy reacts. It's He's- so true. You get so much important data yes. about, and you don't wait four months until you're super invested and already having sex and doing whatever you're doing, right? Look at me. I'm so like old. I literally said four months as if anyone is waiting four months to have sex, but. It would be good if people did though. (laughs) Well, how about just, how about just eight dates would be good. That's, I have an eight date rule. I just feel like eight dates. Cause if by the fourth date, you no longer want to do them. I don't think you'll regret not doing them. I agree. I think it's so different now. I've been with my husband for a long time and Mm. we did long distance for two years. Uh, He lived in Boston. He actually was, he was at Harvard. Um, He was Mm -hmm. working at Harvard. Tall, hot German surgeon who works at Harvard. How did it happen? You guys, it's a miracle. Manifestation? (laughs) No. Um, So we did the long distance between Western Canada and Boston. Um, So we did like, we played it slow, I guess. And then when he was moving back to Germany, um, he asked if I would come. And I said, my boundary, I'm like, not as your girlfriend. (laughs) So if you want me to come, then there's going to be a diamond happening and there's going to be like a wedding happening. I'm not coming as your fucking girlfriend. And so he's a smart man and he did that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to take it slower. And so we were together before, like I had a Blackberry when we first started dating Um, and like nudes. I don't, I don't recall if we were sending nudes at the time, like but Mm -hmm. kids these days, I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit as well, but like kids these days, I feel like the hierarchy of like intimacy with people is like send a nude, then have maybe like an intimate revealing conversation about likes and dislikes, and then maybe talk about some like childhood trauma moments and like boundaries, and then share like your favorite restaurant. Like, I feel like it's (laughs) just so different now. I don't know. So I wish, so all, all of you babes listening, please girls wait eight dates. And just ask him to change the reservation or something. Tell him that you don't like a present, just something and just test him. Gather the data, collect the data. And here's the thing. I I won't call it testing, right? Because I don't think it's that. It's it's literally collecting data. It is. Because testing sounds like manipulative. My feeling is it's not. It it really isn't. It's very valuable to see how is someone going to respond if you go, if you just say, you know, I'd rather do this. If they're normal, they'll be like, okay, or yeah. that's fine. Or, or, Hey, maybe they negotiate. Maybe they go, Hey, you know what? This restaurant is so good though. Let's it's try it. Try And it's a sushi fusion. Yep. It's like <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly. Which mm-hmm. is okay too. But if they get all up in arms, mm-hmm. then they're telling you something that's important to know. That's, that is a red flag, you know? Oh my God, Terry, why didn't I know you when I was 20? <laughs> I know, but I mean, it looks like you did okay. That's <laughs> uh, some I know. along the way. I failed, I failed upwards. My, I, I failed up. I learned a lot along the way. I didn't, um, I don't have a PhD, but I do have a player hater degree. I got my degree <laughs> in assholes by dating them. So that's how I, I love did it. that. Um, okay. Yay. So now talking about context, I wanted to talk about context. We touched on it a little bit before. So you mentioned your 13 question quiz, theboundaryquiz.com. Mm-hmm. So I find that this is really interesting because some people can have rock hard boundaries, like let's say with their employer, like I will never, you know, I don't stay late at work um, ever, ever, ever. So they can have like with some people, some areas rock solid boundaries, but then there can be other people's situations where they just crumble. So it can have a lot to do with context, which I find very interesting. So I think like, I think that I read on your website, boundary destroyers. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? I can. And I also want to say something about what you said. Okay. Boundaries come in, right? So we have categories of boundaries, like material boundaries, physical boundaries that include sexual boundaries, mental, emotional, 
and material, right? So, so those are the categories of boundaries. Like, how do you relate to your stuff? Do you lend things? Do you lend money? Do you like, do you eat off other someone else's plate? Or do you like to have your own food? Whatever. Mm-hmm. We all have our preferences around that. Within all of the categories, boundaries can either be porous, which is very malleable, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's very loose boundaries. That's more like the pushover, the peacekeeper type of person. They can be rigid, like too rigid. And that's more of like what you described. Mm-hmm. Someone who says, I never, never, never do this mm-hmm. thing. That is having rigid boundaries because if you have healthy boundaries, they're robust, but flexible when appropriate, mm-hmm. right? We can choose to say, oh, it's an emergency at work. Mm-hmm. I will stay home. Mm-hmm. I generally don't stay late, but if you mm-hmm. really need me, I will, you know? And then the third is, is healthy boundaries where mm-hmm. you basically make those requests, right? Your preferences, desires, limits, deal breakers based on how you feel and what you want. You can do Mm -hmm. it with ease. You can assert yourself. Mm -hmm. You can um, accept someone else's no. Mm -hmm. That also. Oh, that's the boundary as well. You have to respect other people's boundaries. Yep. Two way street, baby. You can't be the one setting all of the boundaries and then somebody requires something of you and you're like, no, I don't have space for that. No, that's not fair either. That is then your, is that narcissism? I'm not a therapist. Well, I mean, it's selfish. You know, you can't, you don't know enough about it to say it's narcissism, but it it is being self-centered. The thing though, I find that with women in particular and myself, when I was in my twenties, for sure, having two porous boundaries, two two flexible boundaries, right? Where Mm -hmm. I could be talked out of things, talked into things. Mm -hmm. Someone saying no to me Mm -hmm. was painful. I took it very personally. Oh. I would feel rejected, right? I would be oh. like after, and because I was always over-functioning, over-giving and overdoing, I would then start being a martyr and being like, after all the shit I've done for this person. You can't just do this for me. Okay. Right. So this also, this speaks very much to, again, like we're talking about chakras, chakra radio, obsessed. What you're describing yep. also is a balance of the feminine and the masculine, the ability uh, yep. to receive the ability to give. I call this the love loop. I'm not sure if Amber Lee calls it that. I don't know if I learned that from her or if I just made that up in my brain at some point, but mm-hmm. like, the giving, 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 the overgiving, the overdoing. One time, a shitty ex-boyfriend of mine, I bought his 10-year-old sister a Nintendo Wii. I don't know why. He like, she was like, oh, like she's over. Do you want to just pick this up on the way? And he never paid me back for it. And I never got that. Like, I never got that money yeah. back. I never got that. I bought his fucking little sister a Nintendo Wii. Why? I don't understand. It was a long time ago, you guys. I don't know if those things are even still existing. But then because you're overgiving, overgiving to all of these people who don't necessarily deserve, but you like you're it's too bendy, it's too porous, as you said. The the boundaries are too weak. Then yeah. when it comes time that somebody's got to give to you, then you're like, gimme. I want it. I need it. I want it all. Somebody is going to fill up this cup. I'm not doing it myself. So goddamn it, somebody's going to do it. And then mm-hmm. something here is broken in this cycle. And then it, it needs to be healed. That part needs to be repaired. Yep. And this is where the ruptures come in, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. moving into um, what was the original question? Cause I went into the poor, the yeah, it was categories context. and the boundaries. It was context, like context. Yes. Yeah. So the rigid, the person who's like, I never do this. I never, no, no, no. Super rigid boundaries. Yeah. But then let's say if their mom or if their daughter, if their child or somebody's like, yeah, but mom, I need $500 or something. And then like, okay. And then they'll just cave. So like the context of weak boundaries with this person, strong boundaries with this situation. Right. But again, we're looking at these repeating boundary realities, I call them. Patterns. There are patterns. And so a lot of times we we learn it. And even if we say, I'm not going to do that, if you don't consciously work to not do that, Mm. 
you are more likely to do that than mm -hmm. you would like to think <laughs> because we don't have choices. When, when we don't learn another language, we're like, why can't I speak this other language? I don't understand. No, I, I must be weak. Mm -hmm. I must be weak. Yeah. I must be, what's wrong with me? Right. I always say this, boundaries, being fluent in boundaries is a language. Mm -hmm. But back to the context itself, a different, a different way of using context. Mm -hmm. So you may be a boss at work, like most of the women in my practice for the past 25 years, it's like CFOs, CEOs, like pe women who are literally running the world, like actually. Mm -hmm. And maybe their romantic life is a dumpster fire. Maybe yeah. they're having difficulty Do you know, or, or, or they're, they're having all this drama with their female friends. Yes. Because female friendships can literally be more dramatic than romantic yeah. relationships, just belief. straight up. Yeah. Just, just so hard, so painful yeah. because we also bond in a different way and whatever. So those are other um, impacting things that we break down in the book of like, what are the things that are getting me to this place of having this difficulty? Moving into giving context or not giving context. So I teach you in the book how to do a proactive boundary success plan. So mm. it includes steps that you take prior to making the request, putting people in categories, right? Boundary first timer, boundary repeat offenders, boundary I destroyers. I'm, I'm going to get to them. Oh boundary God. destroyers. <laughs> they're, they're the hardest category. They're over there. Um, in with, with people that you love that you're close to. If you say no, like with my husband, if I'm saying no to something or I'm rejecting an idea he has, I will give him context mm -hmm. because I love him and because mm -hmm. I want him to understand me better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It isn't that I'm trying to convince him I have a right mm -hmm. to say no because we have a healthy relationship and he knows I do. It isn't that I'm trying to build a case for mm -hmm. why I'm saying no because I know I don't need to build a fucking case for him for yeah. why I'm saying no because sometimes I just don't fucking want to do something and yeah. that is a goddamn good enough reason. Yes. Yeah right? We feel like we need a Don't good reason. It. Just know and then stop talking sometimes. So if there's one hot tip that people can take away to help set boundaries with somebody who's close to them, um, and if they want to break, so it's kind of a two-part, if they want to break the pattern of codependency, what would be a thing people can think about right now listening to this podcast? They've got a pen and paper. They know that this is them. They're identifying that they don't have the book yet. They're going to get it. But mm -hmm. what would be one thing that people can walk away with today to like set a boundary, break that codependency right now? You're going to do an inventory okay. of your relationships and see where, where are your pain points? Where is your frustration? Where do you feel a lack of satisfaction in your close relationships? Mm -hmm. Then you're going to identify around what circumstances, what are the situations where you feel unseen, unheard? And that's going to be the beginning. And in fact, I'm giving you a gift for your listeners. Yeah. Tell us about that's it. That's exactly what it is. It's all about it. I actually did a video and a beautiful downloadable guide. You can find it at boundaryboss.me forward slash chakra girl, because that makes sense. And it's boundaries and codependency. And it basically, oh that's, God. I'm walking you through doing that kind of an inventory. Actually, it's a video you can watch and then the downloadable guide that you're going to fill in for yourself. And I'm giving you steps that you can take to start to slowly but surely break that pattern, understanding how to use boundaries, one small next right action at a time to break the cycle of codependency in your relationships. I love it so much. Thank you so much for treating the people with this. This is going to change women's lives. This is going to change their children, their families, their relationships. It's going to break these patterns. 
You are so generous. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. This is so incredible. And there is one more thing that I wanted to ask. Do you have it? Because this, this conversation is so interesting and I feel like this is applicable. Girl, do you know your sun, moon, and rising? I do. Tell I'm us. an Aries for okay. sure Tracks. with a Scorpio moon. Oh my God. I love it. And Gemini rising. <gasps> I love it. Maybe this is why I love you so much. Um, the Scorpio See? moon, there's, there's a lot of be. intensity here. There is stubbornness. There is a desire to, uh, there's a di- desire to seek and understand through taboos. There's a desire, uh, desire for communication, for community. I love it so much. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing this. I think everybody who's listening is like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and also, I'm very drawn. I'm a Gemini. So air sign. So Aries um, with mm-hmm. Gemini, we're air and fire and like combust. Let's make it happen. I love it. So yep. Much. <laughs> so good. Okay. So then let's just make ourselves extremely relatable for everybody because nobody's perfect. We've all been through some shit. Things happen. We try to do it with grace and ease. We try to learn the lessons. So we're going to share our manic moments in manifesting. And so this section is where we share one of our meltdowns and then how we kind of were able to pull through it in a graceful way or learn a lesson. So I will share one of mine. I will set the tone. Perhaps yours is ugly, uglier. It's good. This is a safe (laughs) space. So feel free to be raw. Um, Okay. So I live in Germany as listeners know, as you know, being an expat here comes with a lot of different learning curves, the language, everything. I'm a mother. So the school systems, the school traditions, the school holiday times, all of these things are different here. My husband is a doctor. He works all the time. So I just have to just like figure this shit out for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. so this didn't just happen, but it just stays in my mind because it was, it just ended up to be such a special moment. Um, so my daughter, Stella, we were traveling and she's in preschool right now. And in Germany, it's called Kita. So like, even that's a thing, like, I didn't even know what the fuck that is, but it's called. (laughs) So she, she's in Kita. It's not super structured, but it's also structured because it's Germany. Everything is structured. Um, so we had just gotten back from an overseas trip for like six or eight weeks. We're jet lagged. We'd been traveling all over. She had slept for three days. She was kind of back on a schedule. I brought her back to school. Frankly, I was excited to have like alone time. I was excited for like a free day. And then I bring her to school and then it's empty. Like nobody's there. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I'm pretty sure it's a school day. Like it's Monday. And uh, then all the other moms start giving me these super like cunty, judgy looks. And mm. I'm already kind of the pariah because I'm the foreigner. I don't speak yeah. English. I'm not like participating in things and stuff. And I right. find out that they had some kind of class field trip to the zoo and they had sent the email while we were traveling. I probably, if I received it, it just looks like some German garbledy gook. I didn't read it. I'm sure mm. I was on a patio drinking a margarita with my friends or something and right. didn't get the memo. So then I'm standing there like with my dick in my hand and I'm like, I'm a bad mom. Like my kid doesn't get to go to the cool uh, field trip. She doesn't get to go to the, right. to the giraffes and shit. I'm the, I'm the idiot here. And then right. I just decided, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm like, I'm going to rally. I'm going to make this a fucking great day for her. And the teachers mm-hmm. were like, you can just leave her here if you want. And she can just like color by herself all day. I'm <sighs> like, I am not going no. to do that to her. So <laughs> we're going to have a great fucking time. And I ended up, I was just like, got my, like, I cracked my knuckles. You guys can't see it, but I cracked my knuckles hard. <laughs> and I just did some research. I'm like, what's cool in this area. And I found this like Peter Pan kind of like outdoor park thing with like all these tree houses and shit. And we had like a petting zoo, made a picnic. Mm-hmm. We got ice cream with her dad in the afternoon. And she had a better day than any of those other kids did at the stupid zoo. So it ended like I powered through, I chose to find, I chose to find a solution. I made it a better day. And I still look at those pictures And I just cherish that moment. So like, instead of being defeated and feeling like an asshole and internalizing all of that judgment, I was like, you know what? I made leeway and space for myself. I'm an expat. I'm not perfect. My German kind of sucks. I am jet lagged. I'm doing my fucking best. 
and we had a great day anyway. So that was my manic moment in manifesting. So tell us about a like fuck that you recently experienced and how it ended up not sucking so bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing about, uh, you know, doing a book, my first book, although I've been in business for many years, I've had my platform has been what it is for a long, pretty long time. It's like, I did it backwards, right? So doing a book, usually I'm the person people come to, like literally, like actually. So suddenly having to be the one who's like, I need to negotiate for this book to get out into the world. And it's like a kid. But in the beginning, it doesn't feel like it's like a kid. It feels like it's like I'm asking people to do shit for me, right? So then I then I I, I get a reframe on that. Talk to my husband about it. Talk to I, I had a book coach, um, someone who's helped me with the launch, and he was like, uh, "Is your book going to change the world?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Right." So you're are they doing a favor for you, or like, do you believe that this book is amazing? I was like, without a doubt, super proud of it. Everything in it is exactly what I want to say. It is my truth. It is effective. I've tested it for five years by teaching it in a course. Like this shit is gold. Like I know it. And he's like, does the world need better boundaries? I was like, yeah, it does. So he helped me shift my mindset. But what I realized was happening is that I kept putting off what I needed to do, right? Getting on these big shows with people who, because I've known all these people for so long. And I want, it's like, almost like I wanted people to just invite me without me even asking. Like there was such a weird thing. And I got over it. And the, the part, the breakdown to breakthrough is that someone who I'm close to, and I was kind of banking on that they were going to help with the earlier stuff, you know, it didn't pan out. Mm. And, and, and it was sort of like, have your people talk to my people, you know, oh man, all these things really hitting me in the ego. Mm. So I made a whole entire story. Like a really bad story about that. I was so upset. I actually cried. But one of the only times I cried throughout this, mm. this book launch process where I was like, I can't believe it. I'm de- you know, being such a martyr and yeah. really yuck. Not, not my best moment though. Okay. Because when in hindsight, and it all worked out and they ended up doing lovely things for me and promoting to their people and doing what they said they were going to do eventually. Just took a long time. I was like, it shouldn't be this fucking hard, but okay, fine. Mm-hmm. What I realized though, is that it was like, I was using that person as a scapegoat mm. for all of my anxiety mm-hmm. about having to ask people for things because I'm really good at giving. I'm not as good at asking, even though I am a boundary ah. So I learned something. And the, the good part of the story is that I didn't have the conversation with that person that I almost had. Okay. Like couldn't wait to like ball them out and tell them all the ways that they're such a crappy friend and all, <laughs> list all the shit I did for them. Like literally in my mind, yes. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sleep on that. Let's see how I feel about that tomorrow. Good for and you. The next day. And I was like, you know what? You made a whole story mm. that you don't even know if it's true. And you're making this, per- you're literally projecting all of this fear and shit onto this person. Mm-hmm. Tara, get it together. It's not her. Mm-hmm. This is you. Mm-hmm. do your work, ask people, negotiate for this book the way you would one of your kids and mm-hmm. just keep moving. And I did, but it was a moment of, um, you know, facing my fears, right? Yeah, I was going to say. And then turning it around by not annihilating the friendship with my story that I made up, you know? Yeah. And then becoming even stronger because then when your second book comes out, yes. you're going to be- Oh, it'll oh, never be like this again. No, you're going to know all of the things, but good for you for not sending that message. 
Yes. I love the unsend feature. I recently had to use so that. So good. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I love it. Oh yes. Very ah. good for that. Well, that's really good. So like you, you, you didn't let yourself make a story about this person and you didn't let it mean something about you. And you went through it with grace and ease, which is exactly what you help people to do with your book and with everything that you- I don't know how graceful I was, but yes, I went through it without, <laughs> without self-sabotaging in a real way, well, and, without and, doing damage to but, friendships. And, and this is, I mean, like, so you said that you cried, but like, you're also allowed to cry. Like you're allowed to feel yeah. all of those feelings. It's okay. Yes. And, and be and, a human. Right. Exactly. And nothing falls apart when you do that. I mean, you, the makeup gets ruined, but then we put it back on and that's okay that's too. Right. So just tell everybody you've got so many great things. So you've got the, uh, you've got the free thing for everybody. So all of the listeners are going to go to boundaryboss.me forward slash shop for girl. And then where else can we find you? Your website, your Instagram, tell us all the things. Okay. Well, you can get the book at boundarybossbook.com because I've got a lot of really beautiful and juicy bonuses that I'm still giving when people buy the book, even though it's out. Literally doing that next. Yeah, it's so it's so great. You're gonna love it. I have a whole thing there. It's live. It's like training that I did live that then we we just captured. It's called Boundary Palooza. So much good stuff oh, in there. Yeah. I love that. You're gonna love it. Oh my Do God. it. So there's that. Um, hang out with me on Instagram. You can you know go to my website terracol.com. I have a podcast that I have to say has been it's great. If oh, I say the, so what's myself. The of, what's the name? I know I actually don't have it in front of me. What's the name of the podcast? It's called the Terry Cole show. <gasps> Terry Cole show. And there's, yeah. well, you're welcome. That's a great Thanks. week. You're welcome. I, I like it. <laughs> so it's, I've had it for like six years. It's great. You're going to love it. Okay. Um, so those are all the places. So this was so much fun. I love this. Thank so you much. so much. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you everybody for listening. Make sure you check out Terry Cole in all the places and all the ways that she's going to help you. You're going to get the book. You're going to get the free thing. Go to the website. We've got everything for you in the show notes. Thank you so, so much, you guys. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Shocker Girl Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Shocker Girl Co. And if you loved this episode, please give us a five-star review and and write us a little comment. We'd love to hear from you.